Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. My name is Susan Ellsmore and uh, I am absolutely stoked and honoured to be here at Gateway Redlands this morning. It's my very first turn to stand on this platform and bring the Word of God to you and I'm excited about that. I, um, I've actually been down in Sydney at Colour for the last three days and uh, was flying home last night and um, I thought that'd be right. A weekend of storms, of planes being cancelled, and I'm coming to Redlands. I felt like I was drawing on some of Jace Fittis's, uh, you know, um, experiences in the past. And I thought, that'd be right, I'm going to miss out because my plane's going to get cancelled. But it didn't, and I'm here, and I'm really stoked about that. I've been loving hearing these stories of salvation as they've come up online and as I've spoken to different people and especially, I guess, women uh, in our women's ministry and hearing uh, some of these stories. And I hope that you've jumped online to hashtag Gateway Stories of Salvation to hear some of the other stories that have been posted like Dean's. It's so encouraging and fabulous to hear what God is doing uh, in our community and the stories that people have. Well, the other day when I was checking out these stories of salvation, I came across a really special one at hashtag Israel stories of salvation. Why don't you watch the screen? Hi there. This is Moses. I have been encouraged to share with you my story of salvation. And I am going to do it from the place of streams and shade, otherwise known as Elam. But as you all know, I was living in the desert, tending my father-in-law's flocks when God called me through a burning bush that was not consumed by fire to free his people from Egypt. And uh, that is what I did. I went to Pharaoh. I told him to let God's people go. And God unleashed a series of plagues upon the nation of Egypt. And it was quite freaky. It was unbelievable, actually. Anyway, we left and we began the journey towards the promised land. God parted the Red Sea. We came over onto the other side and we found ourselves in a place called Midian. And uh, there God began to do miraculous things, yet God's people continued to complain and whinge and whine about what God had done for them and where he was leading them. Let me just fix up my beard real quick. (laughs) Anyways, from there, we have been led on a remarkable journey. God had saved us from Egypt. He has led us across the Red Sea and over toward the Promised Land. And now here we are, still stuck, I guess, in the journey. And even though I am still in Elam, uh, the wilderness awaits us again. And we look forward to all that God has promised for us. And uh, that's about it from me. My name is Moses, and that's my story. Ho, ho, ho. (laughs) He's an excitable old fellow, is Moses, didn't he? He was really thrilled to be on the journey. But we all know how how quickly news spreads on social media, and it wasn't long before Moses' father, Jethro, saw his story on hashtag Israel Stories of Salvation and had to come and find 
find out for himself if Moses' story was true because we know we can never fully trust what we hear on social media, right? We come to chapter 18 in Exodus this morning. And Jethro arrives. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian, the father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything that God had done for Moses and his people Israel and how the Lord had brought Israel up out of Egypt. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' son and wife, came to him in the wilderness where he camped near the mountain of of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, I'm coming to you. That kind of invokes a little bit of fear right there, thinking father-in-law visit. But I'm coming to you with your wife and her two sons. Just a little bit of history here about Jethro. It says that he was the priest of Midian. Uh, We read in Genesis 25 that after uh, Abraham's wife Sarah passed away, he took um, another wife. Abraham took a wife, her name was Keturah, and she bare him a whole lot of children that I can't pronounce, but one of them was Midian, and Jethro was a descendant of Abraham through the line of this son, uh, Midian. And while this genealogy shows us that Abraham, uh, sorry, that Jethro was a descendant of Abraham, he wasn't part of the chosen line of Isaac and Jacob and the people of Israel. And uh, the fact is the Midianites worshipped all gods, all idols. They weren't exclusive, but they didn't worship the God of Abraham. But that doesn't seem to be the case for Jethro. He seems to have had an experience of God because it says that Jethro was the priest of Midian. So somewhere in Jethro's life, he became a friend of God. And uh, I'm sure that Moses in this moment with his father-in-law visit was really thrilled about that, that that, uh, Jethro knew something of God and worshipped him. We see Moses' uh, reaction here in uh, verse 7. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake. And all about all the hardships they'd met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted, absolutely delighted, to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hands of the Egyptians. He said, praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh, who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and offered sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. See, we see here the power of sharing stories. Jethro couldn't argue with Moses' story because it was his story. His first-hand experience of the power and provision and faithfulness of a loving God. 
And the proof was right in front of him. The whole Israelite clan was there, safe from the Egyptians. Moses' story was a powerful witness to Jethro in helping him to understand to a far greater depth the power and love that God has for his people. Jethro had a fresh revelation of God because of Moses' story. I'm just going to read again verse 11 because this is really Now I know. I might have been on the journey before. But now I know, Moses, because of your story, that the Lord is better than all other gods. If I doubted before, I have no doubt now. For he did this to those who treated Israel arrogantly. And just like Moses, our story of God at work in our lives is powerful because it helps others to understand the character of God. I want you to understand this morning that your story is powerful. Your story will encourage others that they're not alone. It'll help them to understand the power of God at work in every situation, no matter what. We need to be sharing our stories. We need to be celebrating the good things that God has and is doing in our lives. You know, the worst that could happen is that people might think you're a little bit weird. Moses was certainly a little bit weird in that video anyway. <laughs> but maybe, just maybe, God will use your story to point others to him. Just like he did for Jethro. Your story has power to help others see God. Now, people's response to our story is not up to us. That's actually up to God. We just need to be faithful in sharing our story. He'll do the rest. And it doesn't have to be on social media and the conversations that you have with the people that you come across. We need to be sharing our story. Are you telling your story, because people need to hear it, to have a revelation of who God is. So after a great night's storytelling, Moses gets up the next day and he goes about business as usual. Here's his job description, it's awesome. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. Hand up all the introverts in the room. This is like your worst nightmare right here. Am I right? I see some nods. I'm a massive extrovert. In fact, I've been measured at 99.9% on the extrovert end of the scale. But this here is even my worst nightmare. Imagine having a few million people around you all day, every day, just whinging and whining about all the problems that they have. Now, maybe you're thinking that that's actually your story right now. You're thinking of your office at work. I know you're imagining a few people there that you'd like 
tell them to stop whinging and whining. Maybe you're a parent here this morning and you're going, thank you, God, for an hour and a half where I don't have little people needing things from me just for now. Imagine timings that time, timing that, no, multiplying that by a few million people and you have Moses' average day. And like all good father-in-laws, Jethro had something to say. Now, some of you might have father-in-laws that you take advice from, and some of you might not. I love my father-in-law uh, a lot. He is a very godly man, a very lovable man. But when it comes to taking advice from him um, on feeding my children, I'm not going there. Because when each of his grandchildren turned one, for some reason he thought that this was a great opportunity and great timing to introduce them to the joys of Coke and McDonald's. One. One. And when he knew I disapproved, he snuck them off. <laughs> so as if you'd listen to anybody whose favourite meal, every meal, consisted of full-strength Coke and hot I'm not going to him for healthy eating habit advice. Moses, however, he seemed to appreciate the advice of his father-in-law. They must have had some kind of relationship that Moses respected Jethro and respected his wisdom. Jethro was of an older generation. And I think, you know, back in these days, they respected the wisdom of the older generation. I keep trying to tell Jason, this is a really, my Jason, sorry, my husband, who happens to be only 15 months younger than me. I keep trying to tell him to respect the wisdom of the older generation, but for some reason, this is where he chooses to turn a deaf ear and I haven't convinced him yet. But, Mo, but Moses... Moses respects the wisdom of Jethro. You know, it doesn't matter what generation we're a part of, but we can help speak to the next generation from our experiences, from the wisdom that we've learnt, and from our mistakes. This is what happens when uh, Jethro speaks to Moses. When his father-in-law saw all Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? Everybody say alone. Why do you sit alone as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, whinging, whining people. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. See, Moses had to intercede people to God. But we live in a privileged time this side of the cross that we don't have to come to somebody else before God. Because Jesus, as our Lord and Saviour, is our mediator between us and God. We can come into his presence whenever we want, wherever we want, 
And through him, through Jesus and his death on the cross, we have direct access to God the Father. Jethro watches what Moses is doing back in this time where he has to intercede for the people. And he speaks plainly and truthfully from what he's observed. And I reckon this response is kind of an old people's response. I'm sorry out there. But old people seem to like to tell it like it is. My father-in-law certainly would. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're, not, what you're doing is not good. Bam. Tell it like it is, Jethro. Tell it like it is. What you're doing is not good. You and these people come, uh, who come to you will only wear yourselves out. Work too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. What he's saying here when he says, and may God be with you is listen to me, but then bring it before God. So it's not just my wisdom, but you're actually taking this before God as well. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable people, sorry, men, but in our generation, let's go people, from all the people, men and women, who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. Have them serve as judges before the people at all times. But have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything that he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. And the difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way and Jethro returned to his own country. Thank you, Jethro, for your advice. Thank you for changing the way I do everything. Now it's time for you to go home. It's easy to kind of joke about the poor old father-in-law, but Jethro actually had some really good advice for Moses that we need to take heed of today. We can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. We might not have millions of people desperately needing something from us, but we actually live in this generation that prides itself with being busy. There's so many demands on our time and our energy, family, work, friendship, ministries. If we're not busy, we feel guilty. Everything operates at such a fast pace that we're just scrambling to keep up. We get caught up in busyness, and when we're busy, what we tend to do is withdraw from people. We start to isolate ourselves from 
community because we don't have time. And goodness knows we don't have the energy. And before you know it, we're alone. Busyness breeds loneliness. The busier we get, the lonelier we become. Relationships get squeezed out when we're busy. But busyness or loneliness are not part of God's plans for our lives. You know, we're in the middle of a global epidemic of loneliness and fear. Anxiety and depression rates just keep going up. Burnout is rampant because we struggle to know how to care for ourselves in the short term to go well for the long term. Busyness never leads to our gain, but it always leads to pain. Moses found himself in this situation. He sat alone in his responsibilities, so caught up in the busyness and feeling the burden of everybody else's needs and expectations. I don't reckon he even noticed that he was on a fast curve to burnout. Maybe he was even enjoying the spotlight. Maybe he was enjoying feeling important and being at the top. The thing I find interesting for Moses is how quickly he's forgotten that he can't do it alone. That if he was to win the battle, he needed others to help him. Not long before, if we go back to chapter 17, we see that in the midst of battle, in the midst of physical pain that carried significant consequences, then, then Moses recognised the need of others around him to help carry the burden, literally. He felt the physical pain and he knew he needed help. See, the Amalekites had come to attack the Israelites and Moses sends Joshua out to organise an army. In chapter 17, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Winning, losing, winning, losing. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites' army with the sword. Jesus knew that physical pain, that he couldn't do it alone. Those that were with him could see that he couldn't do it alone without their help. It was obvious that if they were going to win the battle, Moses needed 
help from others. Aaron and her had to help carry the load because Moses wouldn't have lasted the distance by himself and Israel would have been defeated. I don't know about Moses, my arms are getting tired already. Because the pain, the pain becomes obvious, the physical pain, it was obvious to Moses and to Aaron and her. And the seriousness of the consequences was obvious. If Moses lowered his hands, the Israelites started losing the battle. Moses needed the help of others around him to help win the battle. And here's what I want you to take. We need others to hold us up if we're going to win the battle that we are in. We need others to hold us up if we're going to win the battle that we are in. And make no mistake, we are all in a battle. From here until heaven, we're in a battle. And we need others around us to help win whatever battle we're facing in this season. The trouble is that we don't often realise it until it's too late. See, when there's physical pain, it's obvious that we need help. We might be too prideful to admit it sometimes, but it's obvious that we need help. But what about the emotional pain that we carry? The pain of loss, the pain of broken relationships, the loneliness or the fear that we feel, the pain of busyness, There's a lot of emotional pain that we can carry that nobody else might see because we actually do a really good job of hiding our emotional pain and the fact that we're not coping. Unfortunately, sometimes as a church, we're really good at hiding it. We don't know. I don't know, looking out here, what happened for you before you arrived at church this morning, but did you walk in those doors with a smile on your face, and everything's great. Look at my lovely family, they're all dressed, their hair is done. We kind of hide sometimes what goes on in our life and the pain that we carry. And our culture speaks to this too. We're seen as weak if we admit that we're not coping. Everyone else can do this, I should be able to as well. I'll be letting others down if I don't keep going. Busyness makes me feel and look important. Whatever it is, we can actually find ourselves like Moses, so caught up on the treadmill that we don't recognise or can't admit the signs of loneliness, depression, anxiety and ultimately burnout until it's too late. I have to confess that a few years ago, this was me. In our family, we had a number of overwhelming uh, health situations, some stuff happening uh, with friends and at work, and all of this just happened to land at once. And I found myself at the tipping point, bordering on burnout. Definitely anxiety, my heart was racing 24-7 and uh, depression had become a bit of a friend 
And it was at that point that God prompted me, gave me the courage to ask a few uh, trusted friends to pray for me and my family. And I can tell you I stand here today because of that faithful group of prayers, those prayer warriors, that when I didn't have the strength myself, and I felt like I had nothing left, they fought the battle for me. They prayed up an army for me. And I say this in all truthfulness because there was one uh, particular day that I was walking uh, into the hospital and I had to walk down this long corridor and um, I had just messaged my prayer warriors. I had no idea what was waiting for me at the end of that corridor. I messaged them. And as I was walking down that corridor, God gave me such a clear picture. There's very few times I've had such clear pictures. But as I walked, it was like I saw this army of angels in V formation going behind me. It's still, it's still powerful. And they were just wielding their swords as I walked down to this appointment. And in my head, I'm thinking, this is going to be awesome. We're going in to fight the battle. God's got the victory. I went into the worst appointment ever. And my heart was breaking, but all the time that I was in there, guess what I could see? Angels standing around, wielding their sword, fighting on my behalf, on my family's behalf. And even though it was hard, I knew that God had me, and I knew that my army had me. I survived, my family survived that season because of those prayer warriors. Not only did they pray continuously, they made meals for me. They drove me places. They blessed me and my family in so many ways that I stand here without a doubt that they are the ones that got us through this season. And I often used to say they were my Aaron and my Hur who held us up in a time where I couldn't do it myself. I know I couldn't have got through that battle if it wasn't for them. But I had to choose to put my hand up. I had to choose to say that I needed help. I needed people around me during this season they would have never known that I needed the help if I hadn't asked for it. And you know what that did for others? It was really strange, but others around me started saying, thank you for speaking up, because it means I can too. I'm actually not coping and I need help. See, when we step out in faith, if, when we share our story of brokenness and pain and God's healing, it gives others the space to put their hand up and say, me too. And God wants us to be a community that carries one another's burdens, that puts their hands up and says, I need help. Galatians 6 verse 2, very plainly, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. There's been many times in my life when I've needed others to help carry my burdens. There have been times when I've needed to be that person for somebody else and help carry their burdens. 
God's called me to be a Jethro to others. And so often God uses the things that we walk through to be able to help carry one another's burdens. We get to share some of the wisdom that we've learned through our experience and to pray on their behalf. And Paul says that by doing this, we are actually fulfilling the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? I'm sure we all know this. In John 13, a new command I give you. What is it? Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, as you love one another, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, our actions speak so loudly. I've invited my friend uh, Mel this morning to briefly share uh, some of her story of what it means to carry each other's burdens. And it's not because I want to lift either of us up on a pedestal or anything like that. I want you to see how simple it is in the situations that God brings your way to carry one another's burdens. Thanks, Mel. Well, when I met this amazing lady, (laughs) (laughs) our family was really going through a tough time. I was overwhelmed, I was terrified, I could not see God in the darkness that we were facing and I did feel just so alone. But God did give me the courage to confide in Susan and she was able to not only support us and pray for us, but she was able to speak to us from her own personal experience and that's what got us through. And now I get to walk alongside her in women's ministry. God has just done amazing things. And by his grace, I now get to do that journey with other women. It's so awesome. Would you thank Mel? You know, the privilege of walking the journey with others. Mel just came up to me and asked for prayer one day and God had us on a journey. I think it's been four years now. And, and now, you know, there was a season when I was a Jethro for her, when I was helping her through a difficult situation. But the blessing that I get and the journey we get to do together now, Mel comes in every week and helps me with women's ministry. I am blessed by what Mel gives back and what she gives to me, and now it's her turn to be a Jethro to me. She sees my weaknesses in the workplace, and she goes, what can I do to help? I'll put my hand up, and I'll help. Simple, simple. We need each other if we're going to win the battle that we're in. We can do it for the males that come across our path, and reach out for prayer and support. Whoever it is God brings across our path, we can do it for them. Maybe right now you're in a really busy season of work or relationships are difficult. You might be studying or kids are young and it's hard work or family issues. Life feels overwhelming and you're at breaking point. Is your busyness isolating you? Are you putting your hand up for help? Are you allowing others to hold your hands up so that you can win whatever the battle is that you're facing right now? We actually need to give ourselves permission to be honest and vulnerable because God never intended us to do life alone. It was never his intention 
with Adam, that Adam do life alone. He said when he created Eve, it's not right for man to be alone. I'll create a suitable helper for him. Jethro says to Moses, you can't handle it alone. Paul says to the Galatians, as we've just read, carry one another's burdens. Love one another. The more you read God's word, the more you realise that we were never meant to do life in isolation. Yet in a society and a time where we're more connected than ever, when connection is instantaneous, loneliness has become epidemic. So epidemic that a few weeks ago, the Courier Mail put out an article calling for a minister of loneliness. Some statistics are going to come up on the board from this study uh, that they that they did, and this is what they said, the epidemic is so concerning that there have been calls for a federal minister for loneliness which have the support of the Australian Medical Association. The number of people living alone in Australia has skyrocketed, while family breakdowns are also on the rise. The loss of neighbourhood connection and community gatherings such as attending church is also having an effect which is all leading to a health crisis, a physical health crisis. It's a serious issue and needs recognition. Life has changed so much that even 20-year-olds report feeling lonely, he said. In the past, young people uh, were often in a relationship in their 20s, but now it's a lot later. People who are working in big offices, surrounded by co-workers, are lonely. We don't connect like we used to. Messages are sent via phones and computers, Add to that the increasing age population, and I would suggest that by 2020, we will be facing a very serious problem of isolation, loneliness, and possibly depression that we are not prepared for. This is a secular article, and even the writer of this article recognises our need for community and connection to combat isolation. See, Jethro could see that Moses, uh, the need for Moses to divide the people into communities that supported each other and helped carry the load. Moses listened to Jethro's advice and he divided the community, the, the people of Israel, into different size communities. He put others in charge of those communities to help carry the load. This is the first time that we actually see God organise a nation into congregations beyond the family unit with leaders to care for them. And we see God's plan for us to be in communities of people where we're practically able to care for one another and carry one another's burdens. Today we need communities more than ever beyond the family unit to care for one another. And as the church, we have a significant role to play in bringing a solution to the loneliness epidemic. Do you believe that this morning? We might not be able to carry the burdens of hundreds of people, but we can do it for 10 in a life group. We might not have the wisdom for everyone, but we can speak to the generations below us from our experience. We can pray for the ones like Mel that God brings across our path. It's one of the privileges of being in a community like this. We're surrounded by generations of godly people with the wisdom of experience. 
And Jethro was able to give Moses a new perspective and the capacity to see the bigger picture. It helped set him up for success and last the distance. And we can do that for others. There is power in community for the people that we live, work and laugh with. As we share our stories, we are going to point others to Jesus. We will win the battles that we're in when when people come into this community and they see a community that loves one another and carries one another's burdens. They'll find a community where it's okay to say, I'm not doing so well, I need help. It's okay to say that I need others to help hold my hands up. We'll be winning the battle when we're a community like that. I wanna get the band to come up. There's three simple things that I wanna encourage you with as I come to the end. Maybe right now, you're struggling. You're You're facing a battle And uh, sometimes those battles might seem really small and we just kind of go, it's okay, it's only a small thing, I can cope. And we don't ask for help. Some of them might be really big battles that we're facing right now. And they're a little bit more obvious. Whatever battle, whatever part of the battle you're in right now, I know that isolation is the easy option. Community can feel like hard work. See, fear stops us from turning to others. Fear of facing the battle isolates us, stops us from asking for help. See, it's easier to withdraw and run from community rather than run towards it. I tell you, we lose, we use a lot of energy running from the things that we should be running towards just because we're too scared to face it. But let me tell you this this morning, whatever the battle you're facing, if you're going to win the battle that you're in right now, rather than running from it and giving up, you actually need to put your hand up and ask for help. Because here is a promise. This is the word I feel God has spoken into my heart this morning. Your victory is on the other side of that fear. It's on the other side of that battle that you're trying to run from right now. And you might need others to help hold your hands up and support you and help you to win that battle. But can I encourage you, don't run from it. Don't give up because God has victory for you on the other side of that battle. Ask for prayer, join a life group, do whatever it takes to win the battle, but don't give up because God doesn't intend us to be in the battle alone. We're a family and we fight the battle together. If that's you, I wanna encourage you, don't give up ask for help. Secondly, I know that community can feel messy and it's a little bit inconvenient, but can I encourage you, invite people into your life. 
Share your life with people who are lonely. Be a Jethro to others. They will know that you love me because of the way that you love others. Be someone who welcomes the lonely and lets them know that they are loved and valued. Encourage them in the faith and help them to grow. Look for the generations below you, whatever age you are, that you can encourage and share your experiences and wisdom with. And thirdly, just wanna keep encouraging you to share your story. Share your story. Your story will encourage others that they're not alone. It will help them to understand the power of God at work in every situation. And it will give others permission to say, I'm not okay, I need some help. Now we're gonna pray in uh, just a minute. But as we do every week at Gateway, I, I wanna give you an opportunity this morning to put your hand up and say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. You know, we, I've talked a lot about community and a lot about family. And maybe this morning you're sitting in a place of loneliness. Maybe you've come here this morning looking for something to fill that loneliness, that hole, that need. And I pray that you are finding a community that loves one another and loves you. The most important thing as part of that family that you can do is to say, Jesus, today, I wanna be a part of your family. I feel lonely, I feel isolated, and I know that's because I'm separated from you, because I'm not part of your family. I haven't said yes to you. You know, we've got a prayer that's gonna go up on the screen right now. And uh, this morning, if that's you, if you're feeling that loneliness and that ache, if you've never known the love of Jesus, or maybe you have once in the past and you've walked away and you find yourself here this morning because something's been calling you back to God. If that's you this morning, I wanna ask you to do something brave and something vulnerable. It's like I said, we all need to put our hand up and say that we need help. This morning, if that's you, wherever you are, wherever you are on the journey, if, you, if that's you and you wanna say, yes, Jesus, I wanna be welcomed into your family. My lonely heart is crying out. I wanna encourage you just to put your hand up right now, right now. If that is you and you are saying, Jesus, I need to come in to your family. I need to know the love of my heavenly Father and my earthly family. If that's you, let's put your hand up. And we can pray this prayer together.